also brought to you by the Boatyard in Fort Lauderdale. Eat local, but stay coastal at the Boatyard Restaurant. The Boatyard is located at 1555 Southeast 17th Street in Fort Lauderdale. That means you can come by boat or you can come by car. Enjoy the nautical atmosphere whether you sit inside in the cold AC or outside on the patio bar. The Boatyard has something for everyone. Monday through Friday, happy hour. Where local favorite is bar bites and handcrafted cocktails. Open for lunch, dinner, and the popular Sunday brunch. And don't forget, ladies night. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. where ladies drink free. Dock and dine at the famous Boatyard in Fort Lauderdale. I am sure you'll have a great experience. Clear the airways. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Captain Jeff, and welcome to the Real Guy Podcast. We are the day of LunkerCon, and I got a special guest. That's right, Tom Rowland is in the house today at the Lunker Dog Studios. Tom, thanks for coming in. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's always like the weirdest uh, feeling before we do LunkerCon. I like, I don't know. Years ago when I played football, I had that feeling, you know, like a little butterfly in your stomach mm-hmm. type thing. And, um, but getting, um, getting the guys together and doing this thing is, um, going to be a lot of fun. And I'm so glad you're here. Well, I've heard about LunkerCon and this is my first, my first try. So be gentle. Oh dude, the people are going <laughs> to love it. The people are going to love it. And, um, I don't know. The thing, I think the, the thing about LunkerCon is, Especially guys like you that got TV shows and have you know personality. When you come to events, you know you're expected to talk. You're expected to do a presentation or whatever. At LunkerCon, the only thing you're expected to do is to be Tom Rowan. All right, cool. Yeah, so very excited, very excited. The um, I want to talk about your podcast. Um, you're one of the reasons that i'm doing a podcast yeah i was listening to yours and i was like man i said this is good stuff i said to myself it's the type of content that i think people need at this point in in time you know what i mean like music i don't know my kid she listens to some music i try you know (laughs) to get in with the new music and you know I was always into music, but it's just not doing it for me now. And um, YouTube, of course, um, is where I spend a lot of my time, you know, watching. um, Because you can basically get everything on there. And um, but listening to your podcasts, um, it brought me, you know, to a whole different state of mind. Yeah. Yeah. And. um I think you do a great job well, doing that. Well, thanks. I um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, just on on all different subjects, and I kind of thought, you know, take the same kind of idea, and talk to some of the people that I know that that I'm inspired by that that have really cool stories, like a Bill Dance or Roland Martin or you know some of the icons or some of the 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 young guys that are getting started in in the fishing industry and and my show's not all about fishing it's about um i mean really the other day i started to uh book a a guest on the podcast and he's like i don't know anything about fishing (laughs) i said well this isn't i mean really really this podcast is while it has a lot of fishing elements it's really about people that are taking an alternate path in life people that could be doing something else but are choosing to do something that they love 
And in that path of choosing something to do what you love, there are all kinds of challenges and there are all kinds of, of uh, failures usually. Sure. And that's what interests me as much as, and, and, and I like it when it's a fishing story because I can relate to that and I can bring some of my own um, failures and successes and, and, and just experience to the conversation. But when it's something outside of fishing too, it's also very interesting to me. Um, and apparently it's interesting to some other people because it's, it continues to grow right. and I'm having fun with it. So I'll keep doing it. Yeah. And you know, I mean, having the TV shows, um, I don't think there's too many people in the audience that doesn't know that, you know, you had your TV shows into the blue and, um, saltwater experience. And another one, Sweetwater too. Sweetwater. Right. And, um, you know, there's only so much you can do, you know, with TV in as far as, you know, you're just time constricted. It's a lot of work and, um, it's structured in a way that, you know, there's, there's only so much you can do where when you have an hour, 45 minutes, an hour and a half, um, you know, to go back and forth, um, I really think that, you know, especially people in your position that have an audience and that are into whether it be fishing and I know you're into working out and but if you have an audience, I just think that um, it's exactly what they need. They need more, you know, yeah. than just well, TV. They, I don't know if they need it, but they a lot of people want it. <laughs> yeah, they need it, want it, but you know, uh, there's a demand there. Yeah, well, there is. And, and you know, I, th- I we were talking earlier about the podcast, I feel like, um, with the audience that, that I have created, I've certainly received more messages, more, uh, I'm not just going to say messages, not like text messages, but like emails of people telling me what this podcast has meant to them, telling me what it meant to them to hear the stories of other people and that they're going to try to do what they want to do now because they have learned all these lessons from other people. That means a lot to me, but it also means that people are connecting with it and that they're, that they're actually getting something of great value out of it. And that's all I ever wanted for it. And, and selfishly, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to hear these stories for myself, like of, of some of these people. And most of these guys are my friends in some way, shape or form. Um, I wanted to hear, that story for myself, like, like how Bill Dance started. I didn't know. And, uh, turns out he started, um, it's not an accident that he did what he has done. It it took a tremendous amount of hard work. He worked a lot harder than other people were willing to. And, uh, he basically never said no to an opportunity and, you know, fast forward 50 years and that's what it takes to be Bill Dance. You know, (laughs) I mean, really hard work, you know? Yeah. Most of most of the guests are. It's a similar story. Um, also, find there's one theme that that continues to to come up on the podcast, and that is that um, what people what people thought when they first got started, like I can't do that because of this or because of that or whatever that reason was for someone. I can't do that because I don't have any experience. I can't do that because I don't know anyone. I can't do that because I, uh, I, I don't live there. Right. Area, right. Whatever it is that they, most of these people had that in some way. And that thing that they thought was going to be the greatest, um, challenge turns out after a while, 
to be their greatest advantage in their success. And I find that really interesting. Like, you know, I mean, it, it's reoccurring. Yeah. It repeats over and over again that, that somebody thought that because they didn't know anything about saltwater fishing, that they wouldn't be able to do it. But the fact that they didn't know anything made them work so much harder than someone who was raised doing it maybe. And they didn't even realize that there was this point to where the, the tide turned a little bit, you know, right. and, and all of a sudden they're knowing more than they ever thought they were. And in fact, they keep, but, but they don't, there's like this, there's like this habit of always learning more, right? Where somebody else might think, well, I know plenty, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. The, um, I see, um, like the amount of interesting people that you're able to interview, have you found that, um, have you found that like, like, is it hard to approach people that you know that are cool or have a, a name or whatever, even though you don't know them that well, but now you're going to sit down and talk to them for an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah. Well, if it's in the fishing world, I think that, um, that hasn't been a problem because, um, I've only been turned down once by somebody in the fishing world. Well, mean, maybe what twice. Mean, what do you mean turned down? They just said they didn't want to do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they said, uh, no, I'm kind of busy. Doesn't, you know, just wasn't their bag or, or whatever. Um, but usually if I just say, you know, here's the guest list of people that have been on before that usually does it for people that are in the, in the, in the fishing world. But when I, when I go out to other uh, people that I find inspiring or interesting in some way, shape or form that the fishing list doesn't do anything for them. Right. So that has been challenging and mostly it's just challenging for, for me, they're willing to do it. They're just like anybody else. They're like, you, know, you want to know my story? I'll tell you my story. What's this going to take an hour? Right. And, and they're usually pretty happy to do it. Um, but I've reached out to a lot of people. Um, and some, I just don't have the proper, uh, communication channel with yet. Like I don't have their cell phone number or whatever. Maybe I'm just emailing them off their website or, right, or right. whatever. And I don't really expect to get that. But for the most part, um, it's, it's just worked out like the people that I want, for example, there's this one guy that I had tried to get in touch with, and he's a very high profile person in his field. And I just kept sending messages and they were just not being answered because he doesn't check them. And then somebody that listens to the podcast is like, Hey man, would you ever want to in, inter, interview this guy? Because he's a friend of mine and he's the same guy. And so ended up, once I got in touch with him, he's like, Oh yeah, man, I'd love to do that. So you get introduced by the right channels right. and then all of a sudden right. everybody was yeah. cozy. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't, have you been turned down? I haven't been turned down, but I, I, th I think what happens often is there's guys that want to do the podcast, but they're like, what do I talk about? I'm nervous. <laughs> you know, do let me get prepared. And I try to like, you know, loosen them up. I'm like, dude, I says, it's not really like that. I says, I'm the dude that gets prepared. I'm the dude that, you know, is going to ask you the questions. Really what I just need you to do is sit in front of me and talk to me for an hour, an right. hour and a half. Be yourself. Right. And then, you know, after they do it, they're like, oh, that was fun, or that was easy, or I had no clue. But right. I think, you know, I think, um, I think a lot of the guests think that it's like AM radio where they have to carry it. Right. And they don't. Right. No, not at all. In fact, it's better if they if they don't carry it. And then that is the host's 
job. And, it, and, and if you're getting that kind of response from your guests, then you're obviously doing a very good job because the, the art to interviewing is, is being so comfortable or, or, or creating an environment that's so comfortable that somebody wants to tell you something that they've never told anybody else. Right. And that's, that's where the good stuff is. And like with the big personalities, my feeling is that that's where the podcast really shines is because everybody's heard, you know, somebody like Bill Dance or Roland Martin or, or, you know, Peter Miller or any of these guys, they've heard them do their canned thing. Like you get, you get 10 minutes, you're going to hear pretty much the same thing, but it's an hour into it when now you start to hear some new stuff and you start to get to know this person on a different level. Right. And, and the people that are listening that are choosing to listen to that, they're already fans of this person. They want to know more about this person. And so that's when I think that the, the podcast is magic is, is when it goes beyond the 22 minutes and 30 seconds of a normal television show, when it goes beyond, you know, a, a radio interview, you know, where, where somebody might call in and you're going to get maybe five or six minutes with somebody and you, you know, People that do that a lot tend to have kind of the same answer. They right. have a persona. And when you get them for an hour or an hour and a half, that's, right. that's the good stuff. Yeah, that is the good stuff. I also think it's, a lot, I think it's a lot more natural for guys in our position that have been fishing guides. Mm-hmm. Because it's very, very few occupations do people have where they're isolated for a long period of time with nobody else around them, you know, with yeah. complete strangers. Yeah. So, and if you're good at being a guide, that means you're good at spending the time with those people. Right. And then when you can do that and then to come over and do a podcast, it's like fairly easy. Yeah. It's pretty similar. I mean, that's kind of what I thought about. Like I thought of two things when, when I started the podcast, like I used to be a guide out, out West too. And, and, uh, when I was a fly fishing guide on the, on the snake river, um, on the South fork of the snake river, we had a camp and every night you would have a fire and you would tell stories around the fire. And some of those stories are like old stories. Some of them are ghost stories. Some of them are, are what happened that day. Some of them are how somebody got to be able to afford a trip like that, you know, all different kinds of stories, but the campfire always had a comfortable environment where, you know, people drink a couple of liquor drinks. Now they're kind of looking at the fire. And next thing you know, they're telling you something about their life that they may not share very often. That's a very comfortable situation. Being on the skiff and polling someone, uh, for eight to 10 hours is also that same kind of thing. And so, um, when I shared the first podcast I ever did, I shared it with one of my friends and I was like, man, what do you think about this? He goes, mm-hmm. I don't know. It sounds like you're just on the boat. Is that <laughs> what he said? Like, yeah. And I was like, sounds like I'm on the boat. And he's like, yeah, when we go fishing, I mean like, you know, some days we talk about whether if, if Sasquatch is real and <laughs> other days we're talking about like, you know, uh, you know, you, you've got a daughter, like, what do you do in this situation or that situation? Or maybe it's parenting or maybe it's like, I don't know. You just, the, the conversation just kind of finds its way. It's real conversation. Yeah. You know? Usually. And I, well, I th- and I think that's whether they know it or not, when they come back from a fishing trip or, um, plan a fishing trip or whatever, in their mind, they think 
they're buying experience to catch a fish. But what actually happens out there is, yeah, they catch the fish most of the time. But I think the experience that they actually have at the end of the day was something they weren't really expecting. Mm. But there's a demand for it and there's a value to it that one keeps them coming back, keeps the industry alive. And um, it definitely crosses over with the type of content that a podcast gives. And the fishing guides, um, whether you're good at it or not, if you do enough trips, you know, you end up having to do it. Yeah, you'll have to do it. But we also had a conversation at lunch before this about how there's a, there's a, a, a client for every guide and a guide for every client. And, you know, I think, you know, what I mean by that is like, if you're a real quiet person and, and you don't, you're not the the guy that carries the conversation, there's a clientele that wants to go fishing and doesn't want to talk to anyone. Right. They'll appreciate it. Yeah. They they appreciate that. And maybe just a, you know, good job, a nice cast, something like that is all that somebody has to say. And you will, you will draw the clientele to you that matches your personality and matches your style and all of that on the other hand there are people that that make a lot of noise and they yell and they scream and and somebody's gonna really not like that and somebody else is gonna think hey man that's my kind of guy right there i love this <laughs> like we're gonna give each other a hard time all day that sounds not fun to me but some other people really like that so there's always there's always that and and i think it's the same thing in the podcast too that there's you know, there's certain people that are going to gravitate to a podcast and there are other people that, that may, it may not be their, their kind of thing. But, um, certainly with the, with the guides, there is a guide for every clientele and there's a clientele for every guide. Right. I think that's, uh, one of the things I, I, I love about the platform that, um, we're on with the podcast, you know, the waypoint platform. Um, to me, it seems like having a community of different podcasts mm-hmm. and having one platform where we can all be on is you're going to have different people that appeal to different people. And by having the platform with multiples on there, it's like, okay, maybe they're not so much into the Lunker Dog or Captain Jeff or Tom Rowland, but they like those kids out of Homosassa. Right. You know, or, you know, the woman podcast. You know, totally different. That's out in the Midwest, and they're women, and they're talking about their tournaments and what they're doing. So having the platform with the different types of personalities and able to spread that content through the audience, it's almost like picking a guide. Yeah. Oh, this is the person I want to listen to for an hour on my way to work. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could do that, like if you follow the, the, the Waypoint, um, if you subscribe to that it would feed you different podcasts. So you could just try, try a bunch of different ones. Um, but yeah, that thing, it seems to be growing quick. And then um, who came up with that idea? Uh, with what the, 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 the platform of podcasts on waypoint. Um, I think, you know, it was kind of a, um, uh, group think kind of thing. Like I think the people at waypoint are always thinking like, what can we provide, the people that like this kind of stuff, how can we provide them more of what they want? Like what, what kind of value can we add to, to this? That's, it's kind of what I've noticed from, from the waypoint side that it's kind of 
coming from that? Like, how can we serve this community better rather than how can we exploit this community better? Or how can we make money in this niche or something like that? It's like the people that are, that are there, they seem to love what they're doing. They want to serve this community of hunters and fishermen. Mm -hmm. So podcasting is popular. It's big. People like it. So why wouldn't they, why wouldn't that be a part of it? You know, because Waypoint has grown into, um, um, far more than just, just, you know, streaming stuff. Um, now it's, it's podcasts and, um, phenomenal job on Instagram. Yeah. Instagram really does good. I mean, it's, it's really, it it grows every day. And, and I think that's, that's one of those situations kind of like the, kind of like the thing that, um, we were talking about earlier that, what you think is your biggest weakness is really your biggest strength. And that, you know, for the waypoint people, biggest weakness is just a bunch of kids without any money <laughs> and a, and a big idea. Right? right. Right. Well, that's also the biggest advantage because one day you're like, you know what? We really need a podcast network. Okay. Well, by the end of the day, you can have one, but you know, these, these bigger groups can't move like that. They can't, they can't right, even not, think about moving yeah, like that. So, yeah, yeah, that, that that's always, you know, TV, big big companies, big media, magazines, the big corporate sponsors. They just they they can't be nimble. And for whatever reason, in the fishing industry, it seems to be worse than every other industry. They just hmm. they don't bend. You know, they or by the time they get the message, or by the time they understand what you know the masses want. It's almost after the fact, and I don't know why the fishing industry is so slow that way, mm. but it is. And um, when I decided, I don't know if people know this or not, but when I decided um, that we're going to spend a lot of time and energy podcasting, um, I reached out to Tom. I reached out to you and um, got some feedback, and um, I needed somebody from our world, the fishing mm-hmm. world, to kind of just talk to a little bit, just get a little information, make me feel like, hey, Jeff, this is the direction you can go in. This is the direction that we're going in. This is how we started, and this is what I think would be good for you. And, yeah, it seems kind of minuscule and kind of small, but some of the most minuscule and small things are the biggest help. Right. You know? Like the old saying, you know, don't mistake simple for easy. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And um and it and it and it helped me and it it kinda just I don't know how to say it, but made me feel comfortable jumping in. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then um when you called me to do a podcast with you, I was like, Oh, perfect. I can sit down with Tom, I can do a podcast, I can I can tell my story. Um, and then I also thought it was important because now you knew about where I come from. Right. And what I do and what my aspirations are. And then by doing that, made my podcast come to life. Right. Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we tr- we tried to do podcasts like five, six years ago. Um and the guys from Salt Strong, mm-hmm. you know, they were right there and we were kind of brainstorming one another about podcasting. So we did some 
and nobody listened to them. Yeah, I was one of the first ones for Salt Strong too. I, I look back on their their deals. You you were maybe the first or one of one of their first interviews, and and I was r- real close there too. And it's it's it was kind of an interesting idea. And I gotta say, I was even thinking about doing the podcast when they called me. I was like, kind of like you, like, oh great, well I could see how this goes, and you know. I've thought the podcast is something that I've been wanting to do for many years. And just like, just like a lot of people sat there and thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and never did anything about it. Right. And one day I'm like, what is it that's holding me back from doing this? Is it that I don't know what to buy? Like, <laughs> what if I make a mistake? Like I'm looking at your rig here and it's way more sophisticated than what I use. Um, you got a mixing board, you got a computer and that's kind of, that was kind of my holdup was like, I don't know what the right gear is and I don't want to buy the right gear. So there's, there's a podcast that I listen to. It's called uh, Lewis Howe's school of greatness. And he's got a wonderful podcast. And so I was like, I wonder what he uses. And so I get on, um, get on the, the internet and look it up like podcast gear, Lewis Howe's. Sure enough, he's got a tour of his studio on YouTube and a list of every single thing that he uses. And these headsets were, right. were one of them. And uh, he was like, yeah, we got these other microphones, but pretty much I just use these, these headsets on most of them. I went specifically, found one where I could see the video of him using the headset. And then I went to iTunes and listened to it because that's how I listen to most podcasts. And I'm like, I think that's how most people listen to a podcast is off of iTunes. So I want to listen with the headset that I normally listen to. So I got my air AirPods and I listen and I'm like, wow, that sounds great. Like if mine sounded that good, I would be super happy. So it was that day. I just said, okay, well this is the stuff I'm getting, right? You know, good or bad mistake or not. I'd made, made the jump. And then, then it sat there for a while because I still had to put the headphones into this scarlet thing and then the scarlet into the computer and uh <laughs> i made a mistake on the one of the first ones i set up a podcast with um a guy that's got a really uh big podcast or it was a big podcast i don't know he seems to be taking a break for a while but it's called the itinerant angler and it was the biggest fishing podcast that there were okay. that there was so i said well would you want to do this and he's like sure i'll do it and uh so i go there and i interview him for two hours and I lost it. I lost the interview. <laughs> I lost <laughs> it. Oh my God. Yeah. Right I was, I, was oh, I didn't save it at all. It probably wasn't even recording the whole time I was there. I don't know. There was too many <laughs> buttons and knobs and, and computers and everything. And, and, and I sat there and, and I just felt like I wasted his time and it almost died right there. Like I was like, man, I'm not very good at this. I'm this <laughs> I've wasted this guy's time. I've wasted my own time. It cost a bunch of money to do this and and it almost died. And then I started thinking, okay, I got to get rid of the computer. I got to get rid of everything. And I started doing a little more research and I figured out how to do it with a much much simpler rig. I've never lost another one and uh, and and it just took me getting started, really. Once I got started, then it rolled well, I mean, it's rolled very slowly at times, but it at least it got going. And uh, but there were there were a few that that particular that particular moment, I thought it was over. 
I mean, well, you got to fail. And yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's kind of important to fail. I, I tell you, I tell you, I had a big fail. Yeah. What? Well, I was so excited um, to do the podcast with a live audience and Jared Outlaw. And Jared, we've been doing YouTube together for I don't know seven, eight years mm-hmm. now. And I like the kid, and he's a great kid and um, hardworking dude. You know, the exactly the type of person you want to have on your podcast. Plus, he's got a great personality, mm-hmm. and he knows about entertaining, and he's not afraid to be in front of a camera or a mic and all that. So we go um, uh, to the Tarpon River Brewery, and um, a lot of people show up. They want to see the podcast and watch us do it. And, you know, we promoted it that way. And we were very excited. And we had a good turnout. And people had a great time. But the podcast, let's just say it's hard to listen to. <laughs> you know, it was loud in the background. Uh, and the, um, you know, the stories were good. And, and Jared was great. But it was an epic fail as far as the recording quality and the sound quality. And really, you know, and this type of content i mean that's the most important thing they're going to sit back and listen and if it's hard to listen to you Mm -hmm. failed yeah and unfortunately i did that with jared who is just you know one of the he's your dream he's your dream guest Mm -hmm. he's the guy you want to have you know the microphone in front of and you know uh a little bit of a roller coaster there i was pretty high about the whole thing and then i was pretty low about the whole thing but I'm glad I did it. It was an epic fail, and I know that um, what you can and can't do as far as the live <laughs> audience now. Yeah, you know, we had some fails like that in the TV. But getting started, we <laughs> filmed the pilot of the show, took it to the network, and they said, um, "This is terrible. <laughs> like you, you're going to have to go back and do this all over again." On the other hand, sponsors seem to like it. So, you know. Now, when you do when you do the show and somebody says it's terrible, who's the guy telling you it's terrible? Well, back then it was it was the guy that um, you know program director for uh, Outdoor Channel. Okay, so the network. Yeah, the network. Um, a lot of things have changed like that. You know, the gatekeeper. There is no gatekeeper anymore for the most part. The gatekeeper is has been replaced with YouTube and and. Um, um, uh, you know, the like, I mean, you can upload your own show. Uh, you know, nobody's going to check your credentials to see if you deserve a podcast, but it wasn't like that. I mean, back when we started the TV show, you, people needed to know who you were. You needed to have some sort of a credentials that, um, you know, made it to where people, they, well, at least in, made it to where this gatekeeper person was like, okay, well, we can market this. We can, you know, say, oh, they, these guys won a bunch of tournaments or, or you know, this is the Bassmaster Classic champion last year or or whatever it was, so whatever your Somebody needed some sort of validation. Somebody needed it, yeah. yeah. And and they weren't, they just didn't let anybody get on there. And then, um, you know, at the beginning, there were um, only, you know, the outdoor channel was, very small back then maybe maybe 12 million households right and uh and the next big jump was was oln outdoor life network and then there was espn and outside of that there really weren't many places to put a fishing or hunting show so uh if you so you basically have three maybe four networks and most of the the best slots are going to be on saturday or sunday between eight and ten 
So you have two hours on three networks. That's, uh, what is that, six spots. Right. So they could, you know, and they've got lots of people coming to them to try to get this time from them, and everybody's willing to pay. So I guess it's in some way there needed to be some sort of gatekeeper. Like, right. you know, they want the best programming they can possibly get, and who's going to monitor that. So... Right, the days of a limited menu. Right, yeah. and then and then you know now or or even um, not if not long after that, there's 24 hours uh, networks, and then there's 24 hour um, fishing and hunting networks, and then right. there's multiple of those, and then there's you know O L N, you know, with a it turns into uh, versus and versus into NBC Sports and. Um, um, you know, you just have more and more and more opportunity to put a show somewhere. So the gatekeeper wasn't as important of a of a, a person anymore. But when when things really changed was YouTube. Like now there's no gatekeeper right. at all, right. which in some ways I think is fantastic. In other ways, um, you know, I don't know. Does there need to be a gatekeeper? I don't know. If you if you're like a uh, a capitalist kind of uh, person or libertarian, you, you say the cream rises to the top and people watch what they want to watch. Right. So, okay. Yeah, that's, my, that's kind of my philosophy on it. Right. I think, I think you know, a lot of the fishing shows when I was younger actually frustrated me, motivated me to want to do YouTube and to show, you know, the other side mm -hmm. of, you know, fishing because it wasn't structured, you know, with the know-it-all expert going right. to tell you how to do it, where to do it, who to do it with, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, that was like the motivation to actually put the stuff up on YouTube is like, Hey, there's something else out there. Mm -hmm. Thank God YouTube came along. I mean, how cool is it? Um, and you know, I'm a firm believer in the cream rises to the top. Yeah. You know? And, um, if you look at the guys that are still doing the fishing shows, in my opinion, those are the guys that should be doing the shows. <laughs> Where years ago, that wasn't my opinion. Yeah. You know, the guys that are doing it now, um, we'll put it, it's not the only game, you know, so they're choosing, you know, to play that game. Right. And because they're choosing to play that game, they're going to make the TV the way it needs to be for TV. Same with YouTubers. Um, I think the podcast is a little different. I think a whole bunch of dudes are going to, you know, start doing them. Yeah. And I think a whole bunch of dudes are going to uh, not do well. I think a bunch of dudes are going to do well. Well, I think that there is the there is the, the deal about the podcast of getting started at the right time. Like, uh, you know, you, uh, among others, got started in YouTube at, at a time where it was very easy to grow that. It's not as easy to grow that today. Start a YouTube channel and try to grow it. It's more challenging today than it was before. Uh, at least it seems that way to me. Maybe. Oh, it is. It is for sure. And, and there's just more stuff up there. There's, I mean, every day there's, there's probably millions of videos being uploaded to, to YouTube every single day, which makes your video that much harder to find, I would imagine. So, yeah. you know, if, and, and just like Instagram and Facebook, if you got on Instagram at the right time, it was very easy to grow a big following on Instagram. But if you get on Instagram today, it's much more challenging to build that those same numbers right. because 
you 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 weren't with this this wave of people that were like oh instagram looks cool i'm starting an account and they were having millions of people starting an account today and all of those millions of people are looking for something that they're interested in whether that's fishing or hunting or or whatever it is you're into there there's an instagram you know uh account for that probably so if you're if you get on the platform and are aggressive about it early you reap the benefits of the platform growing. You grow kind of as the platform grows, but once that kind of plateaus, now I think it's very difficult to start an Instagram. I mean, we've seen that just with, with like Sweetwater as opposed to the other shows where it, it was very easy to grow early. And then we started Sweetwater like a few years later and it was far more challenging to, yeah. to get the same kind of uh, audience. I remember the first time seeing your shows. Um, I think it was ESPN too. Mm, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, ESPN's doing fishing. I'm mm -hmm. like, this is going to open up doors. I was like, this is what, um, you know, we needed. We needed the whole country to be exposed to fishing shows and what, what the, what the, what it's all about. And, and I got pretty excited there for a few years and then I learned more. And I realized that, especially saltwater fishing, only has so many eyeballs. Well, yeah, um, but but there's still a lot of eyeballs. No, there's plenty. There's plenty. I'm not sure. sure I'm not so sure that there's enough for ESPN. Well, probably resulting in ESPN not doing it anymore, um, in favor of, you know, soccer or something. Or right. and and the same things happened on on uh, on NBC Sports over the years. We've been told, um, you know, we're probably not going to have an outdoor block next year. Uh, we just got the you know open wheel racing contract, and so we're going to be doing IndyCar. Um, I'm thinking, really, that that many people want to watch IndyCar, you know, on a Saturday morning. Um, but for whatever reason, we would continue to be on there. But but they did stop doing outdoor content yeah. last year yeah. so we were on we were on um well we were on discovery channel nbc sports sportsman's channel and sun sports and then waypoint and uh we'll we won't be on nbc sports anymore that that one's over as far as numbers go from the old espn days do you think between all the different networks and platforms now the saltwater fishing, forget freshwater because it's a whole different game and a lot more people. But as far as the saltwater, do you think more people are seeing it and enjoying it, but just not on ESPN2? Do mm. you think they're getting so that, It's an interesting question the way that you phrased it because I was all ready to give you an answer. Um, the answer that I was ready to give you was have the numbers gone down from where they once were on television? And the, the answer is absolutely yes. My first experience with television was on TNN when Shaw Grigsby, asked, Shaw Grigsby asked me to be on his show. We went barracuda fishing. It was on TNN on a Monday night, and they would do almost a million people. Okay. My phone rang for eight <laughs> months, and it was back when we had uh, you know, tape recording uh, voicemail, right? Like yeah, some, people, some people listening to this won't even, <laughs> yeah, but you could rewind it and you'd have to write it down and, you know, but for eight months, every day at the end of the day, my phone, you know, the answer machine is full 
And I'm trying to re- return all these calls. That's where I saw the power of television for the first time. I was like, holy cow. Right. I mean, that was amazing. One program. Okay, so that was the heyday of, of television. That TNN block on Monday night. Uh, the next best thing was ESPN. And ESPN used to do about 350 to 400,000 people on a Saturday. Uh, OLN would do about 250,000. So at one point, we had a show on ESPN. It was only a two-minute show. It was one of the little short little vignette shows that they had. Right. And on that same Saturday, we would do OLN. And so we'd do about 350 on, on ESPN, 250 on, on OLN. There's no place on standard television that you can get either one of those ratings anymore. Um, certainly not for a fishing show. And, and, and I'd question... Even football games right. aren't aren't doing that on those on those um, platforms. But the way you phrased the question was, are more people watching now than than before? And I think that I could say yes. Um, there are probably not more people watching the twenty-two minute and thirty-second made-for-television show. Right. But when we add in, um, you know. Across all four of those networks, we're getting watched. Then Waypoint, and the numbers on Waypoint have been really, really good. And then you you add in our social media and Waypoint social media, and um, then my podcast and the articles that are written and all of that stuff. There's no question that more people are seeing the content today than than ever before. But they're just not seeing it at that one thirty-minute right, deal. Not, yeah, it's not one distributor. And yeah. and and so some people would say, well, that was more powerful when three hundred fifty thousand people are watching you right now, all at the same time. Okay, well, it, it's just a fluid, it's a fluid thing, and I don't know. I mean, it's it's weird because not as many people are watching the twenty-two minute and thirty-second show, but far more people are watching portions of that show right. on social media and other other things and uh so that's that's kind of interesting it's a it's a it's a wild world and it's kind of the wild wild west of of this whole world right now like distribution um and 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 creation of you know fishing television or any sort of television yeah, it's a wild no, time. It's crazy wild. I mean, you and I are sitting across from one another. You know, I'm a fishing guide with a YouTube audience, and yeah, I'm doing podcasts now. But do you know how many people would roll up to me and ask me, "Hey, do you know Tom Rowland?" <laughs> or "Hey, do you know Peter Miller?" You know, or "Hey, do you know?" Well, Bill Dance put me on the map as far as getting on his TV show 12 years ago. But you know. They watch the Lunker Dog stuff on YouTube, and then they put me on the platform with Tom Rowland has three different TV shows. And it's like, the only way that ever could have happened is with, you know, multiple, we'll call them distribution channels, not right. just TV. Because with TV, that could maybe probably right. never, ever Oh, the, the internet has given um, everybody, anybody has the opportunity to make anything they want to out of it. And, and as as you can see um certain people have taken advantage of that and it's great i think i think that um with the more opportunity that everybody has the 
the better the better it gets for everybody. I would like to say that that as more people are are able to create content that the all the content gets better but unfortunately that doesn't seem to happen like some of the content's not that good um right. and some of it's fantastic right so i th and then i think the cream rises to the top like yeah i i think one of the problems that i see with the digital anything coming out digital is um there's no reward for having artistic value as mm. much. We're like, like say the old days, you know, Mutual of Omaha had, you know, was it Wild Kingdom? Right, Wild Kingdom, yeah. And, 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 the, and the amount of artistic value that went into the show mm -hmm. or Flip Fallot's show. Right. You know, he really went Really out. high production quality. And you would, you would see um, big spikes in your audience. Right. And you would see big spikes in your, um, in your sponsorship because of it. And, right. And... We we made big investments in that, like uh, going from one camera to two camera, being the, one of the first to go all HD, and you know to see these things happen and say, you know, that investment in quality is going to help us to have a better product. Right. And what you're saying is that a that's not as important anymore. But I would kind of argue that it's still important, but the the barrier for entry has come down considerably. The the <laughs> we had these cameras; they were a hundred thousand dollars, and they were like a beta beta cam. Right. And it was what the guys would run around, you know, shooting news stories on and stuff right. like that. Right. And um, it was your basic rig, and the thing cost about a hundred thousand dollars. Lens and everything, and you had these tapes that went in it. And then you loaded and, it on a twenty foot so, skiff. You know when you yeah, and you start thinking about. Um, you know, the barrier for entry, somebody wants a fishing show. Well, you need one of those. Okay. So most people don't do that. That's where it stops right there. And, you know, to really have a good show, you need two of those. And then, you know, not just anybody knows how to operate them. So now you need a, a, a guy right. on both of those cameras. Yeah. And then, you know, what about an underwater camera? And back in those days that, you know, it was this giant thing, you know, you almost need to put one of those kind of cameras in an underwater housing. And so now underwater is crazy. So, you know, you see what has happened. That that camera that I'm explaining right there, I wouldn't I wouldn't use it to prop the door open now. I don't even know where it is. It's, right. You know, it was it was one of our most prized possessions. And now it's just a piece of junk. Nobody would even use that thing right now. <laughs> and now you have you could go down to Best Buy and you could on the shelf right now. There's 25 cameras that are a hundred times better than that one, and and you know a kid can buy it with their with their um, with their allowance money, right. and so the barrier for entry to incredible quality has come come down greatly, and a kid can buy a drone, and a kid can have a right. you know the underwater thing can be done with a GoPro on a stick, and in a little box like like I'm carrying around for the podcast stuff. You can have more production equipment in there now for, you know, under $2,000 probably. And you're, you could have so much better quality than what we started with. So yeah. <laughs> that's all changed too. i tell you something funny. Um, Panavision used to be the biggest name in, mm -hmm. in filming. Right. So, you know, Lamont's doing the production and he has his Panavision shirt. And I ask him about Panavision. He's telling me how great it is. And, you know, if you really want to have... You know the right camera shots and blah blah. blah. You gotta have Panavision. So 
him and I both came out with like a couple hundred bucks and we bought Panavision stock. You want to talk about epic fail. (laughs) (laughs) We lost that money and I don't know what happened to the Panavision stock exactly, but I I think at the time it was about 20 bucks and I think it's worth about 20 cents now. If you had bought GoPro, then... You know, right? That would have been the the place to go. As long as you sold it, in yeah, time. <laughs> right. Um. But anyway, listen, we're, we're into this about fifty minutes before we um, before we wrap up because it's a big day and we got a lot of shit to do for LunkerCon. Um, going into LunkerCon, what uh, what um, what are you expecting? What do you think is going to happen there? Because uh, you've never been to one. I haven't been to one. And you've only seen it from the outside looking in. But I can only imagine that, uh, you know, you you got an army full of real guys. Guys that like to fish. Guys that like to fish usually like to drink beer. <laughs> and they like to tell stories. So I would imagine that it's probably going to be uh, a lot of beer drinking and storytelling. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Um, this year, you know, um, doing the fundraiser gives us a you know a whole different purpose, which is kind of nice. Um you know, captains for clean waters. You know, I, I don't know, I'm very partial to them because I just know that they're guys like me that really have clean water is the real motive. Mm-hmm. Where I can't say that about some of the politicians and some of the other foundations and associations. I think they're so big that they've kind of lost contact with the uh, ultimate goal. Mm. And I really feel the captains for clean waters is very in tune with the ultimate goal and has a real plan that's being implemented by real guys, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I'm really happy to, uh, raise some money this year at LonkerCon, and I'm totally floored that guys like you, the other TV show guys, some of the best fishermen in the world, um, come together for camaraderie and for everything that, we just don't get to do at the fishing seminars and the boat shows right. and the, all that, all that different stuff. Well, that's what I'm excited about. Um, and the reason, you know, there's a couple of reasons that I'm, that I'm here, uh, you know, over the last year we've gotten to be friends. So if you're doing something, I want to support it. And, uh, I also have become very, um, into the captains for clean water initiative and, and seeing what they've done and seeing some real change for them. My main interest with them over other groups and, and not really even over other groups. What, what attracted me to, to them was that when I talked to them about it, they, you know, I was almost embarrassed that I didn't fully understand the, the Everglades situation because I should, right? I mean, it's complicated, but it's a complicated uh, problem. So, First thing I liked about it was that they patiently walked me through it, not talking down to me, but said, okay, well, here are the, here are the issues. Here's how we see them. This is why you don't really fully understand what's going on because you're down here in, in the Florida Keys, and this is your Everglades situation with the water getting cut off coming into Flamingo. That's in your world. In the other world, it's the freshwater getting getting discharged out of the Lake Okeechobee. So the people that are up on the Caloosahatchee River, do they really know or care what's going on in Flamingo? I mean, they're worried about dead fish on their beach right there. Right. Um, and so, first of all, they patiently walked me through this whole thing so that I could fully understand it. Then I was really surprised with how positive they remained. That it's like, oh, damn, okay, that's a bad problem. So how are we going to fix it? 
And they're like, oh, well, there's all kinds of stuff in place. And in fact, uh, if they would just do what's already been in place, we would be making big roads to, to fixing this situation, you know, or really improving the situation. So then I kind of understood, okay, there's a path to getting there. Yeah. And here are some leaders, there's some people that weren't leaders. Here are some people that were willing to step up and become a leader and educate and, and raise money and do the things necessary to lead our group to a victory of sorts to where, you know, the, the only victory is that it's better than it was before. It's, it's the best it's ever been in our lifetime. And, and we can clearly see that that is possible yeah. by remaining super positive. I don't, it doesn't do much for me when people are uh, pointing fingers and calling people names and stuff. Like, I just don't think that that's productive, and especially when you're doing it to a politician or, or, or whatever or to another group or you're p- placing all the blame on somebody. Yeah, picking sides it, doesn't it, work. It, it just doesn't. Uh, well, it may work in your mind, but what it does to somebody that knows only a little bit about this situation is they go, ooh, that seems like bad drama I don't need in my life right now. So now I'm just not even, you know, I'm sure that, those people are going to fight it out amongst themselves and come up with a solution so I don't have dead manatees on my beach right here. That's not, that's not what we want. What we want is for that person that has a slight interest in, in this issue, which anyone that lives in the state of Florida or anyone who's ever come to the state of Florida should have a slight issue with you know, water quality, right? Yeah, right. Well, we want those people to feel comfortable in being a part of this not like a part of the solution damn man that just i don't want to go get yelled at i don't want somebody to to you know confront me like that that's terrible why would anybody want to be part of that like no let's calmly patiently educate people in a way that it doesn't seem like they're you know we're pushing some agenda on them and educate them to the point to where they want to be a part of Oh, it's just as simple as voting for the right person. It's just as simple as 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 saying yes on this on on when I vote next time. Okay, I understand. That's fine. I can do that. That's great. Because who wants who wants a bad economy and who wants bad water quality and who wants a bad smelly beach? Nobody. Right, right. Nobody wants that. Well, especially the guides. Well, of course. You know? I mean, you know. But but my feeling is always like the guides are going to understand. The fishermen are going to understand. This is we're we're the we're the bellwether. We're the the canary in a coal mine, right? It's but but there's only so many of us, right. and and there's only so so much that we can do. It's the casual tourist. It's the restaurant owner. It's the the guy that, unfortunately, you know, I mean, the guy that rents jet skis on the beach. We need all of these people to be a part of the solution. Not not blame. Right. Them. Not point like, fingers. Let's it, good water f- benefits everyone in all kinds of ways. So I'm all for like bringing these people in and mm-hmm. teaching them in some way to where it's not like confrontational or uncomfortable. It's like, oh, I had no idea that putting all this fertilizer on my lawn was creating this huge problem. Okay, I won't do that anymore. Right. Okay. And, and you know, and while you're at it, you know, let's talk about maybe who who might be a good choice for leadership. 
because they they like this. Well, I I, I tell you that uh, one of the strengths I see in Captains for Clean Waters is they're going to keep the politicians in the state of Florida in check. I hope so. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, for they would have blatantly have to not listen to them and ignore them right. in order. Right, and you know, I don't really care if the politician really feels like clean water is is important I, I could really care what his own personal opinion is if if he gets behind it and does the things that that create clean water for the future is all i care and and a politician could say hey look that that seems like a uh like a great opportunity to ride this you know i, I want to be a hero of the conservation movement right. okay well whether you really feel like clean water is important or not Let's just clean the water up, and you can go do whatever you want to with it. You can ride that right into the White House for all I care. I, I really don't care. I just want the water cleaned up. You know, I just want the, a solution so that so that the Everglades is the best it's been in the last fifty years. Instead of looking at a situation to where it's like, man, we keep going like this, this could be really bad for everybody. Yeah. So I think they're doing a really good job. The other reason that I'm excited to come to this event is because. Um, in this in this day and age of uh, of social media, digital stuff like we were talking about, um, there seems to be like the more people want to ingest like Twitter and and Instagram and stuff like that, they're on the other end of it. They want to ingest a, a, a hour and a half podcast. They want to get to know somebody. But then there's this there's this feeling of personal connection too where you see events like this where it brings people together and you get to actually talk to somebody in person you get to actually shake somebody's hand and you can talk to them like that's cool that's really super cool and what you've created here um i think that's why most of the people are saying yeah i'll, I'll be a part of that that seems really cool it's going to raise money and i'm going to get to you know, there might be somebody there that wants to meet me, and I'm going to give them that opportunity. It's going to be great, and yeah. I want to meet them too. Um, so I think what you're doing is awesome. Well, we're really glad to have you, and um, thanks for spending the time to do a podcast with us. It was long overdue, <laughs> and um, thank you again for putting me on your podcast way back when. And um, let's have a blast tonight at Lunker Con. Right on. And run that dog.